but it doesn't seem to recognize the hour we're in. And that's the thing that Jesus warned Jerusalem. He stared at him and wept over him and said, how is it you don't recognize the times of your visitation? I mean, there are things emerging right now worldwide that were spoken of thousands of years ago in the scripture. And yet the church just says, let's go back to normal. Let's keep going. That's ridiculous. Welcome to Insights, the podcast of Forerunners of America, where we are here every time to warn the nation from a biblical perspective and then help you respond in faith. We want to know what to do to make a difference in our lives, our families, our churches, and in this world. So welcome. And today we are looking at the topic, will America get back to normal after all we've been through the last couple of years? And now this Ukraine thing has been unfolding, but are we going to get back to normal? That's what we're looking at. And so uh, today, for such a meaty topic, I had to bring in a team of heavy hitters. We've never had uh, three pl- three people plus myself on one of these podcasts before, and two of them are new, so I want to take some extra time to introduce them. And one of our new additions is Dale Schlafer. Welcome, Dale. Thank you, Dave. Okay, so Dale has a life of thinking about these things, uh, both on the difficulty side and what's going on in, in America and sounding the alarm, as well as the revival side. And Dale Schlafer is the author of Revival 101, How Christ Ignites His Church. And, uh, and Dale, we've known each other. I don't know if you're aware of this, but we've known each other now this year for 20 years. So uh, welcome, and thanks for all you're, you're going to bring to this podcast. I, I, by the way, I, Dale, I just can't let this go. You never talk or draw attention to yourself, so let me do that for you. But you were uh, Bill McCartney's right-hand man, uh, or at least one of his right-hand hand men, during the years of Promise Keepers, when Promise Keepers just exploding nationally. You were in the, the middle of it. You were in the, all that was going on. Like, you were in the boardroom with, uh, with Bill McCartney, uh, uh, seeing that happen. And so, anyway, I believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Dale, but I believe that you were even thinking about Promise Keepers at that time as br- ushering in a revival to America, potentially. Is that... Is that true? Sure, that's exactly right. Well, it's an honor to have you with us. And another new new one for Insights, but an old friend as well. I want to welcome Lane Johnson. Welcome, Lane. Thank you, Dave. Good to be with you. And Lane has carried both aspects of this podcast, too, in such a deep, deep way. Uh, we worked together with Life Action Ministries for a number of years. That's how Lane and I got to know each other in Life Action Ministries as a revival ministry and going to churches. Uh, my role was actually college campuses, universities. But Lane, you travel for how many years going church to church to church, like a week at a time or two weeks at one church? And then you just go with your team to the next church. How many years did, did you do that? Uh, 17 years full-time. Right. And so revival was uh, the main thing that was just surging through you for those 17 years, and really since then, too. But is that, that that's not an exaggeration, is it? No. Uh, the Lord ba- began that burden in me when I was a teenager and began reading historical accounts of revivals and awakenings from the past. And God so gave me a what I would call a holy discontentment for the nominal Christianity that I was growing up in. He's He's just always given me a hatred for complacency and apathy. Hmm. Wow. Well, I'm looking forward to 
you challenging us and getting that from your heart into our hearts today. Um, so last but not least is Gary Crawford, and Gary's been with us uh, a number of times uh, before. Welcome, Gary. Good to be back, Dave. Thank you. And so previous podcasts, podcasts, we've given you the official introduction, but you have a business background, a ministry background, you're current help many, many ministries like Forerunners of America, for example, with having um, just the much help, supported help in the logistical organizational area and helping all kinds of ministries not have to worry about the back office type stuff. So thank you, Gary, personally for me and from all the ministries you help. And also, Gary, um, you carry... uh, like, I, I just want to say God's now message, almost like nobody I know in terms of you see what's happening in the world, um, and specifically our nation, but also the world, and then you just speak into it from the scriptures. So a- anyway, thank you for being on, on with us here today. All right, so gentlemen, we are going to have a conversation here b- uh, about will America be restored, but let's approach it from a couple different perspectives. The first one is uh, something I'm sensing, I think a lot of people are, that uh, both inside and outside the church, people are kind of ready for things to get in America to get back to normal. And we're hoping for that. Now, I realize there's a lot of, of a- abnormalities, like we still have supply chain issues. We got this Ukraine thing that just happened here recently. But but you know what? They're lifting COVID restrictions, and my job seems normal. Less people wearing masks, that seems normal. These kinds of things, uh, you know, there's just a sense of that. So I want to begin with that question, like, like, okay, just both for people inside, outside the church, are we going back to normal? Uh, but secondly, later in this podcast, I do want us to specifically address a demographic within the body of Christ, and that is that uh, that revival is being declared, the next great awakening in America is being declared almost as a foregone conclusion, and that uh, that we can just rest assured God is not done with America yet, and uh, there is good times ahead, uh, uh, people coming to Christ, probably prosperity sometime is included in, in that, and America will not only back to normal, somewhat normal like it was a few years ago compared to now, or at least the last couple years, but it will be flourishing and people are coming to Christ. So later in the podcast, I want to address that, but for now, Christians, non-Christians, hopeful America's going to be back to normal. What do you say? Uh, here, of course, I'm I'm up in nowhere, Colorado, uh, but as I, I've been uh, just reading, listening to others, and again, in person, I think the the issue is a little different, Dave. Yes, I, there is a going back to normal, a desire to go back to normal, whatever that is, but there's also something else. There's a buzz, at least that I'm coming in contact with, that there's something wrong. Something, something is uh, undescribed, uh, un, unknown exactly, but much more a a sense of of something's not right without uh, knowing what it is. Um, I, I guess when people say it's kind of what Dale said a little bit, people say revival. Nobody seems to wander out and define what that is. And so all of a sudden you're able to conjure up in your mind, well, that means returning to normal. That means, and I'm with him because of the buzz that I hear too. I don't think things are going back to normal. I mean, it's the, this, unfortunately in the United States, we've created our own Vogue magazine in Christendom where we define the facets of our latest things that we want to see going on. 
And we've done that in isolation to what God's doing on a worldwide scale. I mean, you've got Russia and Ukraine unfolding right now. But somebody said the other day, I listened to somebody who spoke that I thought it was very good. And that was um, that the shakings were going to continue. And they said, Lord, how long will they continue? And he said, until you become unshakable. And that's a weighty word for this hour right now, because I don't think the church knows what unshakable is at this hour. And so somehow somebody's got to lay, and maybe you guys are the best ones to do that, some definition or something around this clay thing that we call revival to give it some context. Um, Otherwise, people could run up and down the streets saying revival. Do I think the Lord's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh in the last days? Absolutely. If that's what you're calling revival, then yeah, it's coming. (laughs) Okay, before we jump into that, I do want to go further on that, but Lane, just more broadly, whether it's Christians or non-Christians that are more hopeful right now, uh, what what do you say to that? Like, for the foreseeable future, is America good to go? (laughs) No, I don't think it's good to go. And I I think most people in America and the church, I think they're all on the same page that they're, as Dell said, there's an uneasiness that people have. There's something, there's just something in our culture say things aren't good. They're not right. We're headed in the wrong direction. But (laughs) But I don't think that people, kind of to what Gary said, I don't think people can define all those things. I think there's just a a sense that things aren't right, but they don't have the answers on how to resolve any of that or what it really means. I think that there is a, um, a deafness to spiritual things and a lack of discernment of, you know, in, in the book of Revelation to each of the churches, we all remember, says, let the you know, let the church have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. I don't know of many churches that have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church, if they even are aware that the Spirit even speaks to the church, uh, much less about revival or what the problem is. So, you know, in the big picture of things, when my burden might be, and, and y'all's probably too, that there needs to be repentance in our culture, but there needs to be repentance in the church. Well, why? What, what are you talking about? When we're not even really dealing with sin, it's so it's so complex and we're so muddied in our own self-centeredness and self-absorption and our independence as a nation. And we seem to boil everything down to po- politics or e- economic issues when below all of that is spiritual issues in our relationship to God. And I just don't think those things are being defined within the modern American church culture by most pastors. And there are very few prophets around that are having a voice to say that to the, the common person in the pew. I agree so, with that. I, I think part of that also is that we hear uh, people uh, talking about a great awakening company coming and revival to the church. Uh, and you don't hear repentance. And if you talk to them, what I have picked up in a couple of conversations I've had with people who talk like that is, well, I, I do believe, well, that's repentance is part of it, but they never preach it or never bring it up. Uh, and it's untouched because I think of its <laughs> what it confronts uh, in, in both the church and, and then our, our culture. And, and repentance is not a minor theme in the Bible, whether you're looking at the Old Testament or the New Testament. Repentance is a mega-theme. It is like on the level of faith, that being a mega-theme in the Bible. It is on the, the, the level of love, uh, love God and love your neighbor. I mean, we are talking mega-theme, and I believe 
that a big reason that uh, America is in its totality is in such trouble right now, and it's been in trouble for a long time, is because of the refusal by the church leadership to actually address repentance, teach it, press into the issue until people start to actually feel uncomfortable until they're getting those things uh, right with the, the King of Kings. I, I do have to <laughs> just take a breath, and I have to go back, though, to Lane. You know, you mentioned both uh, uh, politics, just very briefly in passing, as well as uh, the economy and stuff like that. I think one healthy thing, potentially— about where America is right now. And again, I'm kind of leaving this wide open, both for Christians to get this and non-Christians to get this. But our problems are way beyond politics. Our, uh, I mean, we all have our opinions about left versus right or libertarian or whatever, but our problems are enormous and not going to be solved, uh, at least not at first, uh, through, through things in Washington, D.C. Um, and then secondly... The money uh, has continued to flow. Lane, you mentioned the economy. Yeah, the money's continued to flow. There's so much stimulus money from COVID and other things. However, our problems are not going to be resolved uh, through economic approaches. I mean, the foundational uh, issues of what, what would actually turn our nation around. You know, there's two comments that I would make to you guys because you guys come more out of revival. But uh, And I know repentance is a big deal. My, part of my problem is humility comes before repentance. The Chronicles patch, it says, if my people will humble themselves first. And part of the thing here that I think is a huge problem before you can repent is to agree that God is doing something different in the world now. And like John the Baptist said, it's time for me to decrease and for him to increase. America will not let go of its preeminence. And I'm talking about the church. Before we can talk about the nation, we got to talk about the church still wants to be known preeminently as the leader in the church in the, in the world. But that's, that's a lie. And until it humbles itself and says, my time is done, my season is over, you can't sit here, in my opinion, and have a discussion about whether we're going to restore ourselves or not, because God's clearly doing something with the emergence of Israel in the world that has been talked about in the prophets as well. I don't need new prophetic words. I got plenty in the Tanakh that will tell me about what's going on in the world right now. Even in Revelation, which was written 2,000 years ago, the last year, these things are written that you might know the things that will soon take place. The church is, doesn't recognize what's going on in the world, and therefore it can't repent because it hadn't humbled itself. Humble humility is not about sin. Humility is about willing, like John the Baptist and Jesus. Jesus humbled himself in the like does not considering equality be God as something to be grasped. The church in the United States needs to recognize it needs to humble itself and say, maybe there's things afoot here in the regathering of Israel that we need to reposition ourselves. And then we can repent from our arrogance. And then we would be in a position to repent for our nation, which has got huge levels of sin to repent from. But it doesn't seem to recognize the hour we're in. And that's the thing that Jesus warned Jerusalem. He stared at him and wept over him and said, how is it you don't recognize the times of your visitation? I mean, there are things emerging right now worldwide that were spoken of thousands of years ago in the scripture. And yet the church just says, let's go back to normal. Let's keep going. That's ridiculous in light. That's not humility that wants the will of God in our lives. That's two things that wants things not to get worse for me because I really like my position in the American church where we are profitable, having a good time, doing things on our own, and not listening, as Lane said earlier, to the voice of the Lord. 
forgive me if I started so, preaching. <laughs> <laughs> so, Gary, we had a conversation on this in December in terms of why we believe, and, and for me more recently than you, but why we believe we are getting closer uh, to Jesus' second coming. Again, we're not doing the day of the hour, we're talking about the season. But, you know, I do believe that not only was that central to that podcast, but in terms of what we're talking about right here, I don't see how America goes back to normal. And that, to me, in light of the just unbelievable mess we're in right now, it would take years, if not eons, to for the church to totally be on fire, to bring this thing back to normal. And then it would take another years and eons to actually see the thing slide back into where we're in a posture um, that we're actually in right now, at least to some degree, but a posture where where we're seeing the book of Revelation unfold and the difficulty and all these kinds of things happen so that then Jesus actually does come back. Basically, what I'm saying is I don't believe America goes back to normal um, because the timeline of Jesus' second coming won't <laughs> allow it. I, I think that fits anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Lane. I'm sorry. No, no, I was just saying, I think that fits into what you just said. Um, and on a sideline, just with the whole going back to normal thing, I think ultimately, as I'm, I'm sitting here pondering, listening to you, all of you, and considering the subject, I, I think that um, people want to go back to normal. They, they want to go back to comfort levels. Um, and that is rarely where the presence and the Spirit of God works at in generations. It's not through comfort. It's through discomfort. Um, and I think that God is giving us plenty of that. I mean, and in one way, I don't think we'll ever go back to normal anyway, in the way that people talk about it, there's going to be a new normal, just like our nation never went back to the way it was before nine 11, right. That changed the course of people flying and lines in airports. And just, there's a, there's a different mindset now. And I think after COVID, I don't think we're going to go back to the way it was three years ago. I think that there's going to be a, a new normal, but all these new normals still, if they don't lead us, as Gary said, to humility before God and others, and then lead us to a repentance and seeing what God is speaking to us about and through all of these events, I just don't think that we, again, I just think that we're ignorant and, and blissful that God is even speaking or saying anything. I, I, we're, it's almost like we're just dumb. The thing that seems to me that we need to uh, come to grips with as we're dealing with whether things are going to get better or where are we is something you said earlier, Dave, where are we in God's time clock? And 1948, it seems to me, is a defining line between where things could have been and where we're going to go. In 1948, Israel was established as a nation. And from that point on, you see what happens is that God's clock is moving toward his end. He's made it very clear in scripture what's coming, what it's going to look like. And it's going to look very different than we have allowed it to be. And if we would simply have seen how clear that was, we'd be able to uh, answer those questions that you raised earlier. Okay, so in terms of this, uh, 1948, if you guys were going to hit why 1948 is so important for the church today, uh, me, meaning even a little bit beyond what you just said, Dale, like, I, I'd really want to hear from, from both you, Dale and Gary, like, what would you be saying to your church? Okay, well, yes, it's a time clock, but what more specifically is going on with that? 
I, I think we, uh, at a meeting we held uh, just a couple of weeks ago, our theme was, this changes everything. And, and that's a theme we've been trying to raise, is that where we are, when you come to grips with that, it changes everything in your thinking and your understanding and where you are and what you think is coming. How so? Because you, now you're on God's time clock. It shifts my life thinking. I mean, I'm I'm older. I'm not as old. I'm not the oldest person around, but everybody goes through seasons of life and they change. It affects the way they think and the, the priorities that they have in their life. From 1948, and actually Aliyah of the Jews, the regathering began in the late 1800s, but basically from 1948, a stake went in the ground that we have to look back to the scriptures because our way, our way to freedom is forward, not backwards. In other words, if Christ is coming back, which he says he will do once the Jews have been regathered, I will whistle for them and call them from the four corners of the earth, and then my son's going to come, then we need to be orienting our activity towards what it does that God is calling us to prepare for that moment that's coming, not what's behind us. And we've got to get out of this Lot's wife conundrum where we want to stare back and look, and I can tell you, we will turn to stone because God says, I can't use you because your eyes are on the rearview mirror. Get your eyes on what I'm getting ready to do, and I'll show you things that you can do in this hour. And that's what the men of Issachar said, discern the times, and then you will know what to do. Okay, so the big lesson we're getting here with Lot's wife, and I don't want to pass over that, is that we're talking now really within the church. We're still in love with the world like Lot's wife was, and we we will look back, and we got to repent of this. Whether we're looking for revival in America or what we're talking about here is a bigger uh, scenario related to the regathering of the Jews. Th this is one of the big takeaways, is we have got to humble ourselves, repent of attraction to the world and playing it safe and financially safe and that kind of self-protective posture that that we've been in. Um, I, I will, by the way, in the description of this, uh, whether it's at YouTube or Spotify or wherever people are listening to this, I will put in the description key verses that talk about that the Jews will be regathered to the land before Jesus' second coming. And this is very important. I wasn't planning on discussing all this at this detail today, but it's very important because we have that there was a regathering of the Jews back to Israel, the land of Israel, in 539 B.C., and Darius makes the decree, he lets all the Israel, Israelites that have been dispersed in the exile, lets them all go back. However, only about 2.3% of Jews actually took uh, King Darius up on that offer, which was really being extended from God himself. And so what you need to do is look at passages throughout the Bible that talk about the regathering of the Jews, which ones were in 539 B.C. and which ones are right before Jesus' second coming. And it's actually not as complicated as you would think to make that delineation, because there are very clear passages, again, I'm putting in the description of this, that explain all Jews will go back and that is before Jesus' second coming, which is a clear delineation from 539 B.C., when only 2.3% of the Jews made it back. So we'll put that in the, li the link, but I want to shift us here a bit. I mean, I hope this is helpful. Like, we're, what I get out of listening to you guys, we are in such unusual days, in such unbelievable times, scripturally, and as we just look at, at America and the world, that we're not going back to normal. We need to wake up to that. So that's the big picture. 
But I do want to shift us right now back to what Gary said uh, near the outset of our discussion. And that was, so when we're talking about revival, what are we even talking about anyway? Like, does anybody even know what we're talking about? And thankfully, we have the author of Revival 101, How Christ Ignites His Church with Us. And Dale Schlafer, <laughs> will you uh, clear the fog for us? And I, I'm thinking Lane and I might have something to, to put a, a foot, sure footnotes will. on that. Revival is something that happens to God's people. And uh, that, that's the thing that is often misused this, in Scripture. People will talk about, we're going to have a revival. Like you go downtown and you see it on the board of, the, of a church. Revival this Friday. And I always go, oh, really? Uh, how do they know that? Uh, revival is what happens to God's people. Uh, and that's what has to happen first. The, the uh, people who are almost dead coming alive. And that's that's what revival is. Awakening is when the lost, those who have no relationship with God, come to Christ. And that seems to me to be uh, where we are. So when people are saying we're going to have a, the greatest revival in the history of the church, what they're really saying is, most of the time, we're going to have more unconverted people come to Christ than ever before. But I sense in the body of Christ, and as we look at Scripture, it's the people of God coming back to him and, and loving him and being set on fire by him. Right. And and again, uh, just to, you know, especially often in the Bible Belt, hey, revival here, you know, Friday night, like you just highlighted. Um, what we're, we're talking about is not just good preaching or, or a good church gathering. We're talking about God's manifest presence. You know, God is everywhere, but we're talking about him actually moving in on a crowd of people and he, him bringing, uh, at least the revival meetings I've been in that brought forth what I believe to be true revival. It was actually his holiness coming into the room, which brought us to repentance. And, and the humility that Gary highlighted earlier, there's a true, I mean, people, strong people in tears and humility and seeing uh, uh, the egregious nature of the sin they had allowed into their lives, as you said, Dale, as believers. So, you know, we're talking about a move of God. We're not talking about you put something you put in your church calendar. Um, and, and Lane, I know you've given your life to this. Uh, uh, please, please take us a little further. Well, I would agree with everything that was just said, but as I'm th- I live now back in the Bible Belt in Louisiana, you know, where there's, quote, a church building on every corner and stuff. But in the four years that I've been back here, I'm racking my mind to even remember if I've even seen, quote, a revival advertised. At this point, I'd almost be happy for churches that were wanting to set aside some special meetings to seek God. Uh, that's that's not even happening down here in the Bible Belt anymore. I think that we've gone so far away from an under because it's been so long since we've had a revival or awakening in our nation over over a hundred years clearly even though what happened back in the the early seventies some would say was clearly a, some degree of the mass movement of the spirit of God upon our nation um, but not to the degree that we have you know nineteen oh five nineteen oh six and certainly not back to the first second or third great awakening where literally the whole nation was brought to a halt to a large degree where where cultural things change because of the presence of God bringing about holiness and so many being converted and awakening as, as Dell was pointing out, but the church just, uh, I long for, as I assume everybody on this call does and hopefully everybody listening, I long for a time 
when God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Mm. And revival is the closest thing to that. When the presence of God, where everything goes through that grid. Um, and I just, my burden is from me operating now, not in itinerant ministry, and I'm not going here and there as I used to, but just being involved in local regional areas in my local church and all that, there is a, um, a dearth, um, an absence of a hunger and a thirst for uh, the glory of God to be among us. We seem to be okay, and going back to what we talked about earlier, with people just wanting to get back to things as normal, which normal for most churches does not entail having God supernaturally work week in and week out in ways that can only be explained as God has been among us. I, I don't see that. I'm burdened for that. I'm a hunger for that. And for anybody to say that we're experiencing revival, I'm, I'm like, well, I don't know where you live, but that's not happening where I live right now. And uh, Dale, you might remember some of the themes that Lane just hit on. We talked about when you and I were running the uh, the Institute of Campus Revival and Awakening at Yale University. We did that three summers in a row from 2006 to 2008. And one of our speakers nailed something that, I, I, it, listening to you, Lane, just now, it just completely came back to me. And he said this during uh, one of those meetings at Yale. He said, in the American church, we do not have an information problem. We have an appetite problem, meaning a hunger for God. Is there anything deep down in you that says, God, we need you here manifesting yourself, moving among us. We need you here now, and we don't deserve it. In fact, let's just keep it in our American context, which has continued as a nation to go off the rails more and more and more every year for how many decades, I don't know. But the point is, we need him, and uh, that hunger is, is so vital. Um, so okay. Normal, Dave, okay. could I just say yeah. normal, as, as Elaine was using it, is the absence of God. And that's what normal is in the church. I, I have a friend who's a pastor. Every Sunday, he, he prays and he prays and he longs for the Lord to come and to show up. He preaches that way. And, and he has yet to see that happen. And, and he, it just breaks his heart because he knows what could be. Mm-hmm. Could I say what should be, mm-hmm. and and yet it it's not happening. But then that same pastor went back and preached for fifty minutes and went on. Right. In other words, there was no. It, this is my whole point about humility. I'm not going to plead with my dad. I'm a son. I want to say, Father, come into this presence and Holy Spirit be here, and then we don't move until He does. But what we do, there's no humility. We beg God like we're orphans. And then we go back to doing exactly what we did. That's not humility. That's my whole point. You can't humble. You can't repent unless you bow your your knee and say, all right, we're not going to have this. Now, find out how many people will come to that service. <laughs> they won't. That's exactly what the warning of Jeremiah. My priests do not seek my face for this. The people love it that way. You treat money as if you got it by your own hands and you exalt the name of your churches over my son's name. I'm not going to build my church on that because you'll make them just like you. That's exactly what that passage is doing. He says, what will you do in the end? And that's the, my point about humility. They won't, they want all that, but they won't stop what they're doing to, to wait for it. And that's not humility. I mean, it's like, I'm just saying that's not, 
right? <laughs> I, again, all you guys are making these statements that remind me back to these uh, these special the special institute that we had back at Yale University. Um, but Gary, in light of what you just said, there was this person that spoke to us there, and it's not like you said begging like an orphan. We're sons of the king. We should come in with that confidence. But he, this quote was this from from back then. Uh, he said. He said, it's just simply us telling our Heavenly Father that we're lovesick for Him. We don't just want to go another day without Him manifesting His presence among us. It's the longing of the heart. And so, anyway, that's been very helpful for me, too, to just see hunger stirred. Again, not, not hey, we're going to pray extra hard, we're going to make this happen, or, or like you said, Gary, now we do whatever, and then we just go back to normal. It's a complete reorientation where Jesus is in the center, and we're just saying afresh, hey, Lord, today I'm here to follow you. By the way, uh, Lane, a little bit ago, you just said about the Lord's Prayer. That is a huge—we often forget that the Lord's Prayer is a revival prayer. When you're, when you're praying, God's kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. You're essentially pr- praying for, for revival. So— I think we're going to kind of uh, wait for our second question that I outlined at the beginning of this bo- podcast. I think we'll save that for another podcast. However, I would on this one like to go just a little bit further because I think what we're saying here, at least in Pline, probably there is no new norm, or there's a new normal. There's probably no going back to a normal, whatever that we think that was. There's probably none of that going on. But to whatever degree God will bless us and, and move in our midst, we, we're probably talking about revival like we are here uh, so extensively because that would be our hope. It would be our hope uh, at least uh, to, to walk things out in the difficult days that we currently find ourselves in. Uh, difficult days now, greater difficulties ahead, Shakings have gone on for years and years, but especially these last two years, probably greater shakings ahead because America is not repenting. But let's just talk a little bit more here as we wrap up so that everybody has a crystal clear thinking of of, of revival. And how I want to do this is I just want to bring up uh, one example from the scriptures briefly. And then, Lane, you saw a great move of God for about six weeks at a place called Candy's Creek uh, Baptist Church. I'd like you to explain that a little bit. And then all, all of us, we can just discuss uh, whether it's the biblical example or, or Lane's example. But just this is this is how God moves in revival, uh, which does uh, give us hope whether days ahead get even dramatically more difficult or not, uh, or we have a bit of a reprieve. Th- this in our heads about what we're believing God for with revival, I think would be a great way to conclude our conversation today. So um, what I what I really um, appreciate about the book of Jonah is that uh, is that Jonah is this reluctant preacher. I think most of us know that. But this is to a Gentile nation, Nineveh, the capital city of Assyria. This has nothing to do with God calling his people, Israel, back to himself. He's calling a Gentile nation, and we often just forget this. And God is about the entire nation. Does he want, for example, as we said, for the church to be revived? Of course, and that's probably what I would think a praying, revived uh, church passion for God. I would think that would be step one. But the point is, is that he does look to the entire nation, even the lost. God is looking for a response. So when we talk about America and, and, and wanting to see like a national revival, and let's say it accurately, a national revival in awakening, we should be looking for a response in the church and beyond the church. And what they saw in, um, in Nineveh 
was from the king right down to the peasants. They saw mm -hmm. Jonah's message of repent. Well, actually, it was just more of a declaration that judgment would come in 40 days, which I'm, I'm laughing just a little bit here, because, uh, you know, you cannot preach the message hard enough. If you do you go as far as Jonah, which was basically giving zero hope in his message, he just declared that this judgment was coming. It was actually that message that God actually used to change the whole nation. He didn't have any, you know, nuances or, you know, warm fuzzies. He just gave the full, the full on message. But the point being is that they literally, in brokenness over sin, Everybody got on their faces, and it even says they fasted, and they all got on their face from the king down, and and that that is just an amazing thing, and and uh, the, we can't say that they completely averted judgment, but what we can say is that they got a significant delay of that massive, devastating judgment that was coming it, on the order of about 130 years. It was delayed. So, anyway, when we see we're talking about a nation-shaking revival. Um, yes, we can look at some things where God was restoring Israel and so forth, but this story is from a Gentile nation. I find that to be very, very helpful. So that's, that's a picture, a little bit more of what we're talking about. And Lane, if you could talk to us about a local church situation there. I, can, I don't remember where that was. Do you, uh, can you tell us where that was? Yeah, it's outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee, and that's a dangerous question. I have to use unbelievable self-control when you ask me about six weeks of the presence of God to narrow it down to a minute or two. Um, uh, but let me, let me connect it with something that all of you alluded to. And I think you did specifically Dave while ago that, that there is a lack of hunger in the church. Let's go even a step further and say there is, and even what Gary was talking about, how many preach with some degree of hunger and thirst on something, but then they just go on with life. Right. What God had brought us to, what God brought me to, and that came out of that prayer, that fasting and prayer time in 2010, Dave, with you, uh, was a desperation. It really was. I was just, God had brought me to such a place, not just of hunger. He took it to a different level of, I am not okay without the presence of God. I do not want any more meetings. I don't want any other services without you showing up, God. We need you. And and it was so desperate. And we got to a church outside of um, Chattanooga that had that similar hunger in the pastor and in some of the men in the church that had seen and tasted of the presence of God before. And that was something else, Dave, when you said a while ago, there's a lack of hunger. And Dell, you alluded to that too. There is a lack of hunger because so many, so few people have ever tasted of the presence and the glory of God in that extraordinary way. It's hard to be hungry for what you've never tasted before. But for those that have tasted it, they're changed forever. They know what the beauty and the glory of that taste is. And God had put a desperation in me and put a desperation on the team I was traveling with. When we went to that church in the spring of 2011, we were just supposed to be there a week and a half, and God put that kind of hunger and thirst in some of the men there, and they were meeting every morning already to pray for God's move of His Spirit, and long story short, that week and a half turned into almost six weeks of meeting almost every day, every night for prayer and meetings of preaching of the Word, testimonies of what God was doing and transforming lives at the end of that six weeks, the guy that was running our sound had recorded over 25 hours of recorded testimonies of, of individuals in the congregation that had stood publicly 
and made profession, confession, repentance, just declaring what God had done and transforming their life. 25 hours, um, it it completely revolutionized that church. And the, imp- the impact of that was how many of those then went out in the, the following weeks to declare to other churches and at work and in the, the, the parking lots and people were full of God. He was just seemingly everywhere. And that's what happens during seasons of revival. That was only localized and it was only for that short period of time. And and but those things give us a hunger and a thirst and a desperation for those that have tasted that. And why I still have the hope of revival, even though on one hand uh, I have great discouragement for our rebellion and sin as a church and as a nation, I still have the hope as until I can't have hope that God may yet restore us as a people uh, that loves him and is full of his presence. I think one thing that uh, that at least Dale and I have talked about and would be in agreement is regardless of what happens nationally uh, and even internationally, because so many things are global, which puts me again in the realm of we're living um, in the end times before Jesus' second coming, um, but is that locally— does God want to show up lo- locally? Absolutely. Does he want to do a work? Does he want to take a harvest? I believe he does. And so just this, what we've talked about in the last half or so of this podcast, it's about, um, it's truly about seeing God move. And I, I will put it this way. I do not believe America goes back to normal. I believe there's greater difficulty ahead, probably uh, uh, significantly so. Uh, would probably be a sanitized way to say that. But, uh, but God wants to revive his people to bring us through what's coming. So do we avert what's coming? I don't believe so. But can we, um, can we be empowered in an unusual way through what's coming and even see a harvest? That's more where I would land uh, personally. I, of course, I agree with you. <laughs> we, as we've talked it through, I, a verse that has been very helpful to me is Isaiah 21, uh, 10. And watchmen tell us what's left of the night. Watchmen, what is left of the night? The watchman says, morning comes, yet also the night. And as you read that first, you think, wait, the guy didn't answer the question. And it, but he did. Both are coming, both the night and the morning. So I think we can expect, Lane, great hope that there is going to be revival at the same time, there is great evil coming, and both of those are not sequential, they are simultaneous. And so that's where my hope rests, in that we're going to have uh, what the Lord's given me is this little phrase, pockets of his presence. And so mm. where you where you note, uh, noted in, in the experience you had for six weeks, that was a pocket. Uh, of of his yes. presence and those going to be a- around i believe the world but at the same time we are going to be up against things we have never faced before the evil is going to be greater uh, and if you disagree with that it seems to me there dave could put that on some of the uh, things he was going to put on in terms of scripture that lays out what we know is coming Sure. So we're yeah. not hopeless. Mm-hmm. We're filled with hope. Dave, maybe your uh, Dave, maybe part of your warning too is, you know, we've been talking about some of this stuff in the context of America and the church, 
where is where is the virgin who wants to get up and trim their lamp? There's warning here that doesn't relate to the nation. Right. There's a God who's coming to judge his church first. And some of the virgins got up and trimmed their lamps and some didn't. Where does the fear of God fall on the individual who doesn't get up and trim his lamp in this? Forget about America for a second. Mm-hmm. As a believer, do you not have still have the fear of God? Or have you decided that I'm just going to park it and leave when he comes and I don't have to go through all that's That's poppycock. Yeah. I mean, right. if, if the virgins who don't get up and trim their lamps, that ought to terrify them. Because it says in Corinthians, it said that you didn't build on gold and silver, then you're going to be escaping as through the flames. This is not going to be a good time, no matter how saved. But it says that didn't affect your salvation. You will be saved in the end. But there is a, a place here of complacency within the church that ought to be a warning as much as for America that the church is going to see this first, and it's going to go through the flames to get this refined in terms of the price. That ought to, I don't think it should terrify the church, but it certainly should be a weighty sobriety of saying, I need to trim my lamp. What does that look like? How do I prepare for this? How do I do? Then I can be of value to those who don't know God to bring them into the kingdom during this ushered in great harvest. I don't hear that preached anywhere in church. In other words, it's all about what can tickle my ears and what what gets, oh, it's going to be okay. Or, you know, Russia's going to invade, but this is going to happen. I mean, those things may be helpful, but they're not turning the church. They're basically about comforting me where we are. And there's no humility in that. The gospel of the kingdom that left Jerusalem 2,000 years ago is getting ready to go back to Mount Zion. And the church better wake up to the fact that that's where it's going and get in position to assist with that process as best it can in these days ahead. Well said, and it's very serious. I hope everybody listening to this will uh, go back to that passage. Uh, Gary, remind me, is that Matthew 25, uh, the 10 virgins? Um, it, it's either twenty four or twenty five. We'll put it in the we'll put it in the description. Everything we're it's not in Matthew. <laughs> yeah, Matthew. Matthew. Uh, well, uh, we'll put that in the description as well. But uh, but I think hey, Dave. it's it's vital. Yes, Lane. Uh, can I just read two verses right quick? I, I was going to end the whole podcast, but okay, Lane, go, go ahead. ahead. Tell what uh, in light of what Gary said, and I know the whole judgment of the church beginning with us in first peter is a very familiar text but i think we often forget the connection that it has with the world around us and for it is time for judgment to begin with the household of god and if it begins with us first what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of god and then he quotes from the old testament and if it is with difficulty that the righteous is saved what will become of the godless man and the sinner end quote. Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. And again, judgment, yes, begins with us. And if if we are barely making it through and dealing with the judgments of God, what hope is there for our world and society and, and awakening unless we get right first and are submissive in obeying God as a people of God? Amen. Great word. So Keep rather that than, in the podcast, <laughs> right? So rather than looking at uh, happy times are right around the corner or whatever, again, it is that people think of as going back to normal. Um, hopefully, as at some point we'll conclude this COVID uh, situation. Um, but but 
really what we should be looking for is greater shakings coming to the church first, because like you just read, that it begins, judgment begins in the house of God. God's got to sift out his church and get get the righteous remnant to come forth and the chaff to go away. And then we have to look at broader than that. So uh, thanks for sharing that. I do want to mention that uh, uh, the 10 virgins are found in Matthew chapter 25, uh, verses 1 through 10 there. And so please look that and look at that. And I believe for us, as we conclude this, there's so much big things shifting globally and, and challenges within our nation and, and, and globally. We have got to make sure we're one of the five virgins in Matthew 25, that that is where, uh, whether it's just the ability to stand firm with God through great difficulty or it's seeing God move in revival, that is a great, being prepared for Jesus' second coming, of course, that's the context of Matthew 25. All of this would be central uh, as we conclude this podcast. So uh, thank you all, uh, meaning uh, Dale, Gary, Lane, thank you for uh, joining me on this podcast. And all of you, thank you for joining us for this this podcast. And remember, you can find the audio version on Spotify, on SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. If you are at YouTube, uh, remember to to subscribe and, and like and pass the link to your friends. Thanks for being with us today.